1: We're going to get started. Uh, This Friday, besides Night to Shine, it was actually a very special day because it was my nephew's birthday, Gabrielcito. Uh, He turned eight years old. I have a picture there behind me a little bit. Uh, he turned eight, so we, get to, we got to celebrate his birthday, and I have two more pictures there because we were showing him lots of love, and in the end, we had to give him a big kiss, and it's amazing to think he's eight. It seems like yesterday when he was born, and it's, it's amazing to think that he's eight, but time definitely goes by fast, right, John and Rosie? Rosie? Right, go. John just looks at me, he's like, yes, it go, goes by fast. So I'm actually going to speed it up in the timeline a little bit, too, in a couple of seconds. Rosie knows what I mean, but we're going to speed it up. But it's amazing because when I went there, all he wanted was one thing for his birthday. What, what do you think he wanted? Legos. Oh, yeah, I have to admit, that's, that's a beautiful life. Oh, yeah, all I want is Legos. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Legos, he just wanted to have, literally, if every single person here would buy him a Lego box, that's all he would want. You would think you get tired of Legos, like, uh, can you buy me something different? No, he just wants Legos, Legos, Legos. But it's amazing when I was thinking about it, it's just to think of the different phases and goals, and you could say uh, next level of things that he might want in the journey. So when you think about it, he's into Legos now, and but who knows? He might get caught up really in sports. Sports, next. You never know, in the future, there might be a girlfriend. I actually think he has a girlfriend right now. So. <laughs> it's like, you know, he'd be, he be walking around with his uh, little girl. I'm not going to say names just in case the mom is, uh, so, so there, there, she might have a little girl, uh, he might have a little girlfriend. Uh, imagine the next goal of finishing grammar school or high school afterwards, or the goal of not Legos, but having a job, getting a license. Uh, Imagine the day that he, uh, I don't know if John would allow uh, him to have a license, but license, imagine the day his goal is for college, having his own place, having a better job, getting married, buying a house, having a white picket fence with a dog named... Luke, we'll use Luke. that's their dog's name. I was like thinking of Fido or Snoopy or something. having a nice dog, a white picket fence uh and then eventually, when you think about it at, at a certain point, it's going to be retirement uh for him, like thinking it's I, I know I speed this up real fast. I told you we're, we're keep skip, um, skipping from goals to the next level real fast. we just celebrated his. 8th birthday. But I'm taking him all the way to retirement and probably even afterwards, what is the goal of what he would want to do after retirement. But as you know, every single one of us, there's goals, there's dreams that we see ourselves doing. Um, I ended up getting him a, a birthday card. It was, um, it was uh, uh, Mario Brothers. And, and it had an old Nintendo uh, controller on the card that you got to play with a little bit uh, just so he could hear the sounds of re- real video game systems when I was growing up. So, um, so he could play a little bit. But inside the card said uh, something along the lines, you know, it's like, I hope you have a great time at your next level, being eight. And we think, in our minds, we always think from place Place. So I have a question. Where do you see yourself in your journey? What is your next destination? It's a question there. If you had to fill in the blank, every single person has to do it. Everyone from the balcony to the back, everyone here in the front. If you had to fill in the blank, what is your destination? What is your next destination? What would you put there? Obviously, I mapped out Gabriel's pretty much life from destination to destination, but what would your destination be that you would fill in there? How many of you could easily think that you know what it would be? Just raise your hand. Raise your hand if you just know. And how many of you don't know? It's something like, I'm not too sure. I'm just going for the ride. You know, it's like, but the truth is, deep down inside of each of our hearts, we, we know what our next goal is. We, we know, for the most part, what our next destination would be. You know, many times we focus our prayers on the next goal on the next destination. And I've said this before, so many times we pray to inform God what we're planning to do instead of asking God what he wants us to do. Uh, You know, we just try to map out our own life from pretty much goal to goal and then ask God to bless it. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking God To guide you, of course, in your goals and in your next level, the destinations you're gonna uh, you're gonna have. But I'm gonna tell you this right from the beginning. It's a truth that if you forget about everything else about today, just remember this truth. It's gonna be behind me. And it's this: God is more interested in who you're becoming than where you're going. Okay? God is more interested in who you're becoming. Than where you're going. So many times we just think about where we wanna go, and God is like, I wanna look at your heart. I wanna see who you're becoming because you need to become more like Jesus. When I see you, God says, he has to see Jesus in your life. And if you look more like the world than Jesus, you're not becoming what God wants you to become because we're in the process of transformation. And the scripture says that we become a new creation in him, but that's a process that he puts us through. So he's more interested in who we're becoming than where we're going, but I believe that the majority of Christians, and I would even say almost like 90% of them, they're more focused on where they're going more than who they're becoming because we just want to do and accomplish things or to move forward or to progress, you could say. So um, you might remember that the Israelites... God was leading the um, Israelites to a promised land, which is a destination, but only two people made it in. Who made it in? Joshua and Caleb, the only two people that made it in. And I want to highlight something that the scripture says. Two things that they say about Joshua and Caleb. Number one, they said that they had a different spirit. That's the first thing. They had a, dis- a different spirit. They trusted and obeyed, like pretty much just think of it that way. They trusted and obeyed. They had a different spirit. The other Israelites, they didn't trust God. They pretty much saw the promised land, and said, no, 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 there's giants there. You know, kind of like, I don't trust you to go there. While Joshua and Caleb, they're like, you know what? I'm going to trust you, God, even though it doesn't make sense. I know that there's moments in our lives that God wants us to do things and it just doesn't make sense, but we trust them. Joshua and Caleb said, I'm gonna trust you even if it doesn't make sense, and I'm gonna obey you no matter what you say. Even if it doesn't make sense to the world, even if it doesn't make sense to my own experiences in my own life, my goal is to obey you. So here, Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit to trust and obey. Everybody say trust and obey. Trust and obey. One more time. Trust and obey. So Joshua and Caleb, they trust and obeyed, but not only did they have that different spirit of trust and obey, it says in scripture, they follow God wholeheartedly. Their heart wasn't divided like the Israelites, they, their heart wasn't one foot in the world and one foot following God. Their heart wasn't 90% for God and 10% for their boo or for their career or for their next goal or their next dream. Their goal was 100% wholehearted to just chase after God. Like one of the things I like, I tell people often is like, you know what, in my life, like I... When I look back at my life, I make it a point not to chase after things or positions or anything like that. The way I see it, you chase after God with all of your heart and wherever God will take you, he will take you. You know, whatever his plan is for your life, he will guide you there as long as you're chasing after him with all your heart. If your heart is divided, if you're chasing after God 80% and chasing after other things 20%, your next level, your next goal, honestly, your heart is divided and that's gonna impact your life. You chase after God with all your heart and whatever the results are, you can rest assured it passed through God's hands. It passed through God's hands, whether it's something that you didn't expect or it, expectations that you didn't have or whether it didn't go the way you wanted to, in the end of the day, you won. Because the greatest gift, the greatest blessing, the greatest opportunity that we would ever have in our life is to be in God's presence. If God is in your life and God's presence is active, you have it all. What? Like, think about it. God owns everything, has everything, has authority over thing. God is your boss' boss. You know, the guy that, or the girl that drives you crazy. You know what I mean? When you think about it, God is sitting on the throne. If you have God, you have everything. You know the one that has everything. So knowing God and being with God and being in his presence is all you need. But it's amazing how we don't chase after God with all of our heart. We fall in the illusion that what the world dangles in front of us, this artificial, superficial stuff that we chase after. I remember in the past I mentioned is almost like cotton candy. It looks beautiful. It pretty much like it's alluring. You're drawn to it. But the moment you taste it, it might taste good for a couple seconds, but it lacks substance has no substance. It's empty. It's artificial. It's, it's a sweetener. Like when you think about it, but don't you want substance? Don't you want truth? Don't you want something that's been proving through decades, through generations, through the scriptures to be real and authentic and not chasing after other things? And the bottom line is chasing after God. Remember, God is more interested in who you're becoming than when, where you're going. You know, one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that God is working in our hearts and doing something deeper. In Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse two, it says this. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Of course, we know that God knows what's in our heart, but he wants us to know ourselves what is within our hearts. And it's amazing how God kept them in the wilderness, the Israelites, for 40 years to humble and to test them. You know, the wilderness wasn't an easy place to be. Obviously, it was a very difficult place to be. But I think we need to realize that whenever we're in difficult places, that's when the real, the real things within our heart ends up coming out. The big question is, what is in your heart? It's going to be behind me. The big question is, what is in your heart? What is in your heart? What's in your heart? The Bible says that our hearts deceive us often. What is in your heart today? Who who is the person that you're becoming in your heart? There's going to be a, a slide behind me that says this. A person who doesn't evaluate their hearts daily is like someone who leaves the front door of their house open and expects nothing terrible to happen. When was the last time you've left your door wide open in your house for for three months straight, even if no one was home? You just leave it open, wide open. Just everything, the screen, door open, wide open for anyone to do whatever they want. How many of you think that's a great idea? How many of you, like, yo, if one of you would have raised your hand and said, I do that all the time. After service, wait, we're going to pray for you. We'll pray for you. The Bible says to use wisdom. That's a little crazy. So, uh, yo, obviously, we wouldn't do it. Yeah, Sometimes I get on Jen because sometimes Jen, she's in a rush, and she leaves the house, and she doesn't lock the front door. She did it to me yesterday. She, like She's nodding her head. She can't even like, say it doesn't happen. Confess. You do that. She's like, yes, yeah, guilty as charged. So, uh, so Jen, she leaves the house. Leaves me ahí solito en la casa. Yo, uh, I'm by myself. And then, like, an Amazon package comes, and I go, and I go to open the door. I was like, the door's already open. So it's like literally the door being open, it's like an invitation for stuff to happen. Stuff to happen. You know, I was born and raised in Elizabeth. You know stuff happens. So so you just know stuff happens. It's not wisdom. So here, this point, a person who doesn't evaluate their hearts daily is like someone who leaves the front door of their house open and expects nothing terrible to happen. You cannot go one day without examining your heart. You need to examine your heart because there's things that you start to dwell on. There's things that you're feeding it. There's things that you're contemplating on. There's things that you're meditating on that's poison. There's things that are destroying you from the inside out. There's things in your heart that are not whispers from Jesus. There's whispers from Satan. Satan whispers to you and you start to dwell on it, meditate on it. And there are lies from the pit of hell. But yet, because you don't examine your heart, you dwell on it so often that you're starting to believe it's truth. And you think it's just the reality of your life, but it's just lies from the devil that you're contemplating on. You need to examine yourself daily. Now, how do you know what's inside of your heart? Some of you might say this is very simple. I just remove, I don't drink coffee in the morning, and everything comes out of my heart if I don't drink coffee in the morning. Any amens for that? I know Pastor Diana probably has her hand that she loves her coffee, yo, Pastor Diana. Yo, when she comes into the church office, I make sure she gets her cup of coffee, the first one, the first person to get it. Hallelujah. So so we just know. Some of us, it's like, just remove the coffee. And all the ugliness will bubble out and come out of our heart, right? So it's like, so, but when you think about it, what is it that really takes the, the stuff like in our hearts and makes it come out to the surface. The reality is it's difficult. And I mentioned to you, the, and the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things because our own hearts deceive us. We think we're okay, but we're not. Like, you know, like we, we could easily be in a place, oh, I'm good. No, you're not good. Like, you know, but your heart has made you believe you're good but you're not good. We think, we think others are the problem. I, there's so many times I sat down to talk with people, and let me tell you something. They have a list of everyone that's to blame. It's like, la madre, the mom, the dad definitely the mother-in-law, the suegra, you know, the grandparents, the wife, the kids, even the cat that roams around in the backyard, that cat, he's from Satan. Like, you know what I mean? Like every single person, they have a list. But guess who's the person they don't highlight? They don't highlight themselves. A lot of, when I come across people like that, I don't even have to talk to them long. I know where the problem is. The moment they start listing off their people, I know where the problem is. And you know how they say, once you start pointing, you know, you got more fingers pointing back right at you than the ones you're able to point to. So definitely it's, it's something that uh, we're, so many times we don't know what's in our hearts. So right now I'm going to tell you one of the most dangerous prayers you could ever make. So many times when we think of prayer, we think of long prayers. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes I'll ask someone to pray and they're hesitant to pray or they don't want to pray because they think prayer is to sound uh, eloquent or you think God is impressed with just the way you pray or the things you say. Let me tell you, this is a two-word prayer that's a dangerous prayer that could rock your life in great ways. Two words. Examine me. That's it. If from your heart, you sincerely ask God and pray those two words, you don't have to say any other words. From your heart, you turn to God and he's like, God, examine me. That's a dangerous prayer. Because you're giving God permission to look into your heart and to help reveal the things that are in your heart to you. So you could be aware of what needs to change because as a reminder, God's more interested in who you're becoming than where you're going, you know, in your journey. So that's a dangerous prayer. In Psalm 139 verses 23 to 24, it says this, search me. And that word search me means investigate me. It means examine me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And that word anxious, you know what the root word is that uh, comes from? is secret thoughts. Those things that are in your heart so deep that makes you anxious because you're keeping it hidden. But like, you know what I mean? Like it's those things that keep you up at night because you know they're wrong and you should change, but you're entertaining it and um, dwelling on it. It says there, and it says, know my anxious secret thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I love that because here he's highlighting pretty much. It's like, yo, God, check out my heart. Show me what offends you in my heart. Examine my heart. Investigate my heart. Show me who I'm becoming because I know you will lead me in the way of everlasting. I'm not going to worry about that part. You will do that part, but you need to do it in my heart. You need to show me what needs to change because you're more interested in who I'm becoming than where I'm going. So examine me, investigate me, and pretty much search me. It's a dangerous prayer. So, here, I I, I want you to know that one of the main ways that God exposes, and it's gonna be behind me, it should be behind me. One of the main ways that God exposes what is in your hearts are through difficulties, problems, obstacles, temptations, and challenges. Can I get an amen? How many of you are excited about this message? Isn't this message great, like with everything that I've mentioned like You're about to throw stones at me. So it's like here, one of the main ways God exposes what is in our hearts are through difficulties, problems, obstacles, temptations, and challenges. I know you're really not excited about it, and I want to make something clear. It's not that he brings necessarily the difficulties, problems, obstacles, temptations, and challenges, but he allows them. He allows them. So, and I want to let you know too um, something. If someone tells you, if someone tells you, because I've met a lot of Christians, sometimes I've met other pastors that pretty much paint this picture that when you get to know Jesus, it's like everything It's like you're running through fields of uh, daisies and lilies and, and no bad things happen to you and nothing, nothing. It's, it's, it's just blessing after blessing, prosperity after prosperity. It's just everything that you think could go right will go right. And if you ever hear that type of talk, honestly, run, run because that's not scriptural at all. All you have to do is look at the lives of the disciples that followed Jesus. Most of them died for following God. That doesn't necessarily look like a uh, prosperity-driven gospel there. They gave their life. Definitely, they received their blessings when they got to heaven. But here on earth, they had their obstacles, difficulty, challenges, and everything that came their way. The main thing, they obeyed and trusted God in the journey. In James chapter one, verses two to four, it says this, considered it pure joy, pure joy, it doesn't even say, like, hey, uh, be a little happy about it. Um, when you go through hard times, you know, pure joy. This is, like, when you think of pure joy, like, probably, like, you know, you have to think of those moments in your life where you were extremely ecstatic, uh, like, because of what happened in your life. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials... Some Bible translations say temptations uh, for that word. So trials and temptations of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces persevering, who you're becoming. let persevering finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything not lacking anything. So here, God wants you to become mature. God wants you to grow. God wants you to look like more like Jesus. And guess what he's going to use to make that happen? Hard times, obstacles, challenges, temptations that come your way. All these things, like right now in this moment, there's certain things you're praying for to be removed. And God is just looking at you be like, I-, I allowed it. That's staying right there because until you learn the lesson that you need to learn and until you end up allowing yourself to be transformed and becoming like my son, you won't be taken out of that situation because you need to be transformed in it. Some of us have been walking in a spiritual desert for 40 years Because in circles, because we haven't trusted and obeyed God and just given God wholeheartedly everything and trusted and obeyed him with everything that we have. So just know that some of our prayer requests, God is actually in a position where he's standing against the very thing you're praying for. Because you're praying for certain things to be removed and God has allowed it for a deeper purpose in Our lives. God is using everything to make you mature and complete so you can look like Jesus. Through this year, we've been talking about God's presence and the word of the year is dwell and how God works through the scriptures. And I just want to highlight, I know today the main emphasis, and I wanted to share that first, is just to set the platform for the book of Joshua. So, here in the book of Joshua, we, we, see, we see something interesting is God is leading Joshua to conquer the promised land. Now, I have a question. Why wouldn't God give Joshua an empty promised land? If that is the promised land that he had for his children, why didn't he just say, hey, Joshua, you're my children. I love you. I don't want to spoil you type of thing. Here's the promised land. It's empty. No problems, no obstacles, no difficulties, no battles, no enemies, no challenge. Here, just go, walk in, do whatever you want to do. This is your land. But no, God, God filled it up. There's definitely battles. There's definitely enemies. There's definitely um, obstacles, difficulties. There's definitely temptation along the way. There was a purpose behind that. And here, just to let you know too, Joshua ended up having. 13 battles that he ended up having. And the time frame is about seven years it took them to continue marching through those battles. But before any of those battles took place, okay, so I just want you to keep this in mind. Before any of those battles took place, because you could see them as almost the next destination or the next level or where I'm going, God decided to have an encounter with Joshua. He had an encounter with Joshua with God's presence. I've told you that through the year, we're looking for God's sightings, looking for God's presence through the scriptures. Here is one where Joshua has his moment. It's like his Moses moment. It's like Joshua's burning bush moment. But here is for Joshua. And if you have your Bibles, you could turn to Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. It says this. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, Jericho was where the first battle was going to take place. So Joshua, you know, obviously he's scoping things out. He's getting ready for what has to take place. He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us? Or for our enemies. Now I want to pause there. I just want to highlight for you to get in Joshua's head. He's in battle mode. He's in next level type of stuff. He's like, yo, I'm ready to fight. I see you out there with a sword. I don't know if you're with me or against me. I need to know because I'm ready for war type of thing. So here's Joshua ready to fight. And he sees someone with a sword. And he wanted to make sure where that person stood. It's like, are you with us or against us? And he pretty much asked them. And I absolutely love the response. This is, this is one of my favorite responses, like from God, like in the scriptures. And, and pretty much here it says, neither, neither. And like almost like saying, it's like, look, you're caught up in this next level thing, going from battle to battle. You're caught up in all this stuff. I, I'm, I'm here pre, pretty much at a different place. Talk, I want to talk about something deeper here and, besides that. So here, he pretty much, pretty much said, neither replied. And pretty much is saying too, I don't bow down to you or to anyone. That's pretty much, because think about it, Joshua, he's, a, he's the lead. He's the commander. He's the head honcho. You know what I mean? He has all his armies with him. He, you know what I mean? Like he's someone that doesn't really like, you know, like take anything from anyone. He's a warrior. So you figure he's there asking, asking, who are you here for, Me, us or them? And it's like, neither. Pretty much, I don't bow down to neither of you guys. I don't bow down to you, Joshua. And in a second, you'll realize who I am. And I don't bow down to my enemies. No one bow, like I don't bow down to anyone. Everyone bows down to me. And here in this scripture, you'll see, he says, neither, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Now here in the scriptures, people believe this is Jesus himself coming before, of course, he came as a child but many people believe it's Jesus simply because of the interaction and what's taking place, or it was an angel uh, that took place, but uh, I'll leave that there. But then it says this, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? So even at this moment, what message do you have? I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Joshua wanted to hear. It's like, come on, we're taking Jericho today. Come on, let's go. Next level, next goal, next dream. Let's come on, let's keep this moving because that's what's most important. No, no, no. What message does my Lord have for this servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. He obeyed. Now, here, Joshua, he ended up bowing down. He ended up bowing down before God. And he ended up obeying what what was being said. But that was a holy moment. Standing in God's presence, it was holy ground. It was holy ground. And here, you could see, like, God putting a pause to everything. And it's like, Joshua, you need to realize who you're worshiping, that I'm holy, You need to take off your sandals. You need to remove anything that's in the way between you and me. Anything that's in your heart that's between you and me needs to be removed before we even take a step forward into the promised land, conquering your enemies. We need to make sure the transformation of the heart is done. We need to make sure that you humble yourself before the king. You need to be sure that you realize who God is. Because you know what? So many times Christians create their own version of God that's convenient for them. They create their own version of God that's convenient. A God that pretty much I could do whatever I want because that God will always tolerate it. And he's not going to have any issues with the way I live. Like God definitely wants to, train, without question, God loves you, but he loves you so much, he's not going to leave you the way he found you. And he wants to continuously transform you and make you like his son. But so many times we want a version of God that's convenient to what pretty much we would want. See, God's presence was the main thing that God wanted to have Joshua indwell within him. So here, obviously, I mentioned before, there's 13 battles. And because of time and everything, we're not going to go over all 13. We're going to go over 12. No, I'm joking. Just two, just two. Okay, just two battles. The first one is the most famous one. And I already give you a little hint. Jericho, the Battle of Jericho. Now, the Battle of Jericho, I'm going to highlight these two battles, but there's something I'm going to highlight in between them. The Battle of Jericho was one where they consulted with God and God gave them a very weird strategy. Has God ever told you to do something weird? I know God's told me to do a couple of weird things in my life, but I do want to say, if it doesn't align with God's word, it's not from God, okay? So, uh, so here, it's like God, God, God told them to do something weird. Pretty much march around the city This is an army marching around the city once a day for six days. So imagine these are warriors. They're having the Ark of the Covenant in front of them. they are priests in front of them, everything. These are warriors, but yet they're marching around the city, marching around for six days once. And then on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. And then when he says so, pretty much Say a shout, the trumpets are going to sound, and the walls of Jericho will miraculously fall down. That's a weird strategy. Like if if we would ever hear any militant leader say, hey, we're going to take over this town. What we're going to do, we're going to go to Hillside, right? And you guys stay in the border of Hillside where Newark is and Elizabeth and just march around Hillside. Just once every day for six days and then do it seven times on the seventh day. And, you know, imagine Hillside having high walls. All the walls would fall down. You would think, that's a little crazy. You know, that's a little weird. But that is the strategy God gave them. And you know what they did? They trusted and obeyed. You can say it again. Trust and obey. They trusted and obeyed. They did what God said and the walls came down. I had the amazing opportunity to see the walls of Jericho in the ground when I went to Israel a long time ago when I was in, well, not that long, when I was in my 20s. So a long time ago, I always say I'm 25. I can't say I'm that long. ago. So one of these days, we're going to do a trip to Israel in the future, and hopefully you could come on that trip and you could see it for yourself. But here, the miracle happened. So that's the first battle, the first battle happened. The second battle is the battle of AI, and, but there's something that happened bef- between it, okay? You know what happened between it? The soldiers that were there, you'll notice, they started to become prideful before going to the next battle. They also didn't consult God on any strategy or wanting to have God's presence involved. Like they, they didn't want to consult what God wanted to do. They didn't consult God and they started getting prideful. They, they pretty much spied out the place themselves and they said, you know what? We don't need the whole army. We just need a couple, like 2,000, 3,000 men. We'll take, we'll take this over. In addition to that, one of the Israelites stole stuff from Jericho when God clearly said everything that's in Jericho belongs to God. And I just want to say so many times we might take things that belong to God and not honor him with it, whether it be our talents, our gifts, our money, our time, our treasures, so many different things. God wants you to honor him and glorify him with all of you with everything, every part of you, your entire life. But yet we decide what belongs to us and what belongs to God. Here for Jericho, God said, hey, everything belongs to me. And someone stole stuff, Achan stole stuff and hid stuff. But there's nothing you could hide from God. There's nothing you can hide from God. So here, that's what ends up happening. So now they go up for battle. And guess what happens in the second battle of Ai. They lost, they lost because God's presence was an honor. They weren't trusting, obeying, God didn't go before them. God didn't provide the miracle. They did things on their own, worried about the next level, worried about the next goal, worried about where they're going. They want to do it how they want to do it. They didn't consult God. They They did it in their own strength. And they got a huge wake up call. They got routed, they got defeated, and 36 men died. 36 men died, shed their blood. And it's when that ended up happening, something, I don't even have this here that I, I wasn't gonna even um, share it, but something that's interesting when that ended up happening, when Joshua heard that, he pretty much fell on his face before God. Fell on his face, just like Pretty much, like, God, like, you know, like, what's going on? This is not supposed to be happening. This and that. Like, he was there for hours and hours on his face. And you would think that that's a good thing, right? You'd be like, oh, that's, like, honorable Joshua on his face, like, you know, like, doing this thing. God speaks to Joshua in the scriptures. You can read it for yourself. Josh pretty much says, what you doing on the floor? Get up from the floor. Here's Joshua on the ground praying to God, and God is like, get up from the floor. What, you, what are you doing? Pretty much highlighting, it's like, look, it's not this extended prayer time. It's not this extended, extended worship time. I clearly made known to you what needs to take place in my commands. There's disobedience. There's people chasing after their own goals and dreams from level to level, not consulting me, not honoring me and not worried about who they're becoming and being transformed by me and being more concerned about moving forward. Pretty much get up and let's get this in order and you could read for yourself how everything progressed. Trust and obey. Remember how I mentioned God is more interested in who you're becoming than where you're going. If God was more interested in the destination there in the promised land, God would have given them the victory of AI despite of the things they were doing. But God didn't give them the victory because God is like, they need to learn these lessons. They need to learn. They need to learn that they need to trust and obey. Those are two quick battles that I highlighted. But I want to ask you, how many battles are you in right now? Every single person here, including myself, there's battles, there's difficulties, there's challenges, there's obstacles in our lives. But so many times we make the mistake where we fix our eyes on those things instead of fixing our eyes on God. I make the decision in my life that every single day I'm going to fix my eyes on God. I'm going to chase after God with my whole heart because I don't care how big the mountain, the battle, the challenges, the obstacles, the disappointments, the tragedies, whatever might take place. As long as God is with me, I know I'm going to have the victory. It might not look the way that I think it's going to look like or that I would want. But to me, I treasure God's presence more than anything else. And as long as God is with me, that's all that I need in my life. Because if I have God, I have everything. I remember Moses, a scripture that I've read before. Moses telling God, God, if your presence is not going before me, I'm not going. I'm staying where I'm at. I'm only going to go where you go, God. I'm not going to get caught up with the next level, the next goal, my own dreams, my own agenda, what I want to do, what I want to accomplish. I just want to get caught up being dwelling in your presence, being in the middle of your presence, letting you saturate me from the inside out. As long as I have you, I have everything. I don't like, I know that as long as I chase after you, you're going to take care of me. You're going to take care of me. You're going to watch over me. You're going to be my shield. You'll walk through me, through every fire, you'll walk through through it with me. Has there ever been a fire in your life that you've had to walk through by yourself? You haven't. Because God has always been there walking with you through the fire. But so many times we decide to do things by ourselves. So where are you today? Where are you? What is in your heart? Are you becoming more like God? Because God wants you to trust and obey him wholeheartedly with everything that you have. So, so many of you probably know I, I worked in St. Barnabas for seven years right out of high school. Pretty much I got a job there full time. I thought I was getting paid the big bucks. You know, I was at $10 an hour. I was like, yes. So it's, it's, uh, my first job, though, was 225. So that was a big increase. So so I was 10 bucks an hour at St. Barnabas. I, you know, I had a good job and stuff. But what the, uh, at that time, I thought it was a good job. So I, But I knew it was exactly where God wanted me to be. And I had amazing experiences. But one thing I'll never forget part of my job was to transport patients. So I used to take them from x-ray to physical therapy to wherever they had to go in the hospital. I used to pick them up in their hospital room. And even sometimes I used to push the whole bed with the two IV poles and stuff. And I used to do all of that. And I remember, I wish I could remember the lady's name because that lady, without question, she's with Jesus right now. That, that's gonna, when I get to heaven, that's gonna be one of the first ladies I'm gonna go up to be like, yo, Just gotta give you a hug. You know, that lady was an older lady. Back then, she was like 80 years old, okay? She was 80 years old, around that range. And I just remember one time she told me a story of an encounter she had with God, where she says God visited her through an angel, like an angel appeared to her, and she had a story. And what I loved about her is that she always shared the story wherever she went. Yo, know, St. Barnabas was her ministry. Wherever she went, and something that I used to love, love, love that she used to do, and I'm going to tell you the story, like in the second way she used to say, was whenever I would pull her inside the elevator, that's when she would say her story. So I would pull her, and I know it's coming. And in my heart, I'm like, like yes. Yeah, she's going to get them. So all of a sudden I'm with the wheelchair. She was in a wheelchair and I would position her in the elevators. You know, the hospital elevators are pretty big. So I got to make sure that she had the right angle so that she could be there. So I would put her in the corner so she could have her attention to everyone. And you'll see in the elevator, all different walks of life. you see kids, adults, you see people with tons of money. You see doctors, surgeons, all caught up looking for their goals, the next level, the next level, looking what they have to do, all caught up in their things. And all different, how I said, there's children thinking about Legos. There's children probably graduating from school. There's uh, people in college. There's people finishing their careers, people dreaming about their homes, people dreaming about getting married, people dreaming about having kids, whatever it may be. The next level, you had them all in the elevator. But yo, this lady she didn't care. She knew that she had one mission. So she literally would say, attention, attention. And right there, when she starts saying attention, I move out of my way. I was like, yo, she's in charge now, yo. God's presence is with this woman. You better not get in her way because she's in charge right now. So, So she's like, attention, attention. She's like, I had a visitation from God. God visited me through an angel and he told me that we must trust and obey. Those two words, we must trust and obey him with all of our hearts. Do not forget this. Attention, attention. God visited me through an angel and he told me that we must trust and obey him with all of our hearts. And I could close my eyes, and I could see her. Her hands were shaking because she was elderly. She, her hands were shaking. She said, trust and obey. Trust and obey. And I would stand there. And honestly, I'm like, how simple. Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes we overcomplicate what it means to follow God. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. That's what we have to do. Obviously it's not easy to trust and it's not easy to obey, but that's what God has called us to do through scripture from the very beginning until the end is trust and obey. Trust and obey. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 to 28, it talks about communion, which we're gonna have in a couple of seconds. And just in case, if you don't have the elements, you could raise your hands and one of the ushers will give it to you. In first Corinthians chapter eleven, verses twenty-seven to twenty-eight, it says this. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord. In an unworthy manner, like pretty much saying, like, you know, like kind of like, I don't, it doesn't really mean much to me. Like, think about it. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, for all of us. He paid the ultimate sacrifice so we could have a relationship with him. He wants to transform you from the inside out. But some of us, we treat Jesus almost like a side thing. It's like, it's okay to have Jesus pretty much just part of my life. It's okay for me just to come to church. It's just okay for me just to read the Bible once in a while. It's okay for me to live however I want. It's okay for me to just go through life from next level to next level. Let me, how I said before, I don't want to take a foot forward in my life without God's presence. I, I don't care about the next step. I don't care about like the next level or the next place to go. If God is not there, I don't want it. I don't want to go anywhere where God doesn't take me there. So when you think about it, we, if we think that God is just like a nice convenient thing to include in your life, how nice of us to look at the God of the universe, the God that look at, could look at Joshua and make Joshua bow down before him the God of the universe, and say, you know what, God? I know you're the God of the universe. You sacrificed it all for me, but you know what? I just want to have you the way I want to have you. I want to have a God that's convenient for me. I, I don't want to have you as the Lord of my heart and life. I still want to do whatever I want, you know, and I get it. So many of us ha- are in that place, and let me tell you, I was in that place one time in my journey too. I remember the days when I laid out. And let me tell you, surrender to God is a daily thing, daily thing. But I remember specific moments in my life where I just surrender it all. I was like, God, everything, everything. You come before family. You become before my spouse. You become, go before my career. You be, go before before anything else because relationship with him is the most important thing. God is not looking for religion. God is not looking for tradition. God is not looking for you just to go through the motion. He wants your heart. He went through a long journey to try to get it. And when you think about it, it's like, all we have to do is surrender to him. So here, It says, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy uh, manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to, look at that word, examine. A dangerous prayer. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. So at this time, I just want everyone to bow their heads. And I just, before we have communion, I just want to give you a moment to examine your heart. Holy Spirit, I even ask you now that you would minister to every single person and reveal to them the things that need to be surrendered. Reveal to them the things that the sin that they're entertaining, that they know they need to give to you, God. God, I pray that you would reveal to them if they're chasing after things more than you, God. If if they've lost their way, God, I pray that you would reveal that to them so that they could come home to you. So I'm going to give you a few moments to talk to God as the Holy Spirit reveals this thing to you. And through this time period, if you just want to surrender all to God as well as a declaration to him, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet when you're ready to stand. At the moment of your surrender, you could stand to your feet. But I want you to talk to God right now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, just a couple of verses before what we read earlier. It says, for I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take the body at this time in remembrance of him. Father God, as we close this service as a family, as we stand, we just surrender everything to you, God. For everyone that's watching through the live stream as well, God. God, we just pray, Lord God, that you would touch every single person as well. Father God, right now, this moment, we surrender our entire heart life, Lord God. We surrender everything we've been chasing after, God. Forgive us for putting so many other things before you, God. Our checklist, our agenda, our to-dos, God, our next goals, our next dreams. God, we just want all of you, God. And we know that, God, as we pursue you, as we dwell in your presence, Lord God, we know that you will provide for us. You will help us through, God. No matter what the storm might be happening, no matter what fire might be happening, no matter if the mountains fall around us, God, we know that as long as you're walking with us, we will be okay, God. We will be fine because we will have victory in your presence. And we know that you're the God of miracles that helps us bring victory over every battle. Teach us, God, the lessons we need to learn from the circumstances around us. Transform our hearts, God. Forgive us for being so quick to complain, so quick to worry, so quick to fear, so quick to look at the problems, so quick to point fingers, so quick to do so many other things. Instead of trusting you that you are the God that sits on the throne of heaven and God, everything has to pass through your hands because you're sovereign. Even though we might not understand understand things, even though we might have questions, even though there's tons of unknowns in this world. God, as long as you are sitting on that throne and you are the one that we dwell in, in your presence, all is fine and victory is here and is coming in our lives, God. So God, we just trust you and obey, God. We choose to trust and obey just like My friend said in that elevator room years ago. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.
0: Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelisabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.